0: in order that we may be also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning. I have a question for you. Do you ever do you ever find it difficult to pray? You know maybe uh all right, you set aside time to talk with God, and, but then you just can't focus. It ever happen to you? You're just, your thoughts are all over the place. Or maybe you, you finish a time of prayer and you realize that what you just said to God is exactly the same thing you said to Him yesterday, which is the same thing you said the day before that, same as the day before that. You're just like my, my prayers are so dry, so routine. You wonder. Have you ever wondered if God maybe is getting bored listening to you? Or maybe, like a lot of people, you find it, feeling motiva- find it difficult feeling motivated, um, you know, even to pray at all. I mean, you, listen, you, you know you're supposed to pray. Christians are supposed to do that. On some, some level, you have a desire to pray. Those are your intentions. But, you know, when it actually comes time to setting things aside and bending your knee and looking up to heaven and crying out to God, why... Why is it so hard to do? There's a Christian blogger named Kathy Howard who wrote this. She writes, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Real prayer does not come easy to me. I don't doubt the need for prayer. I need it. I want it. In fact, she says, I strongly believe that without real prayer, a believer's relationship with God will only be superficial. And I can go through the motions of prayer easily enough. But real prayer, she says, is hard for me. So, anybody ever feel that way? If if you have, here's what I want you to know. You're not alone in that. The great uh, missionary and author Elizabeth Elliott wrote this. She writes, intercession. Intercession just means praying for others. Intercession is the hardest work in the world. The giving of oneself, time, strength, energy, attention to the needs of others in a way that no one but God sees, no one but God will do anything about, and no one but God will ever reward you for. <laughs> she, she said it, didn't she? Prayer is hard, but the good news, you'd like to hear some good news? The good news is that as Christians, we have been given a powerful resource to help us in prayer, and listen, this resource that we've been given, this is not a principle for us to learn, this is not a practice for us to follow, the resource we have been given is a person, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God has been given to help us in prayer. We're in the middle of a series of sermons on the Holy Spirit. Today is a day when traditionally we think of the, the Spirit, how He was poured out on the church at Pentecost. And what I wanna talk about from this passage today is how it is that the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray. And I would suggest from this passage that we can see three things that the Spirit does for believers to empower us to pray. These three things. He gives us confidence. He gives us confidence when we pray. Second, He helps us to persevere when we pray. And and then finally, He is the one who makes our prayers effective. So He gives us confidence, perseverance, and effectiveness. So first, confidence. Um, I I don't know if if you've ever had to go to your boss or to a supervisor to ask if you could get a raise. Or, if in school, you've ever knocked on the teacher's door after class and you come in and you ask the teacher, would you possibly consider changing my grade on that last test? Would you possibly change it from a C plus to a B? If you've ever been in a situation like that where you're, you're asking someone in authority to do a favor for you. Listen, how do you approach that? You don't, you don't ask with great confidence, do you? you? You're a little bit bashful, you're, you're feeling nervous, you're, you're very conscious of the grammar that you use. You want to be correct in your grammar. You're, you're just, you're, you're, you're polite, you're, you're formal. You are anything but bold. But if you are a four-year-old girl asking her father for breakfast, how do you do it? You say, Daddy, I want eggs. I want eggs. Right? You're not afraid. You're not shy. You're not worried about your grammar. You're bold. Why? Why Why are you bold? Because, listen, you know that you're talking to your Father, and you know He loves you. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants you to know, Christian, when you go to God in prayer. Verse 15 says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Believer in Christ, when you address God, you are not a slave addressing her master or his master. He said, you've not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons. We could say as daughters by whom we cry out, Abba. Father, what is Abba? Abba is was the Aramaic word. um, You would most accurately translate it as Papa or Daddy. It's a familiar, intimate word within a family. We cry out, Abba, Father. Verse sixteen: The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? That we are children of God. And so these verses are pointing to uh, one of the most amazing things that the Holy Spirit does for the people of God. He gives inner testimony to our spirit of our acceptance in Christ by the Father. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, how long you've been doing it. When anyone cries out to Christ in faith for, for forgiveness and acceptance by God, God unites you with Christ and you are accepted by the Father. Well, how do you know that's happened? In some mysterious way, the Spirit of God gives testimony to your spirit that you've been accepted, you've been adopted, you are God's child now. 1 First, First John chapter 3, verse 24 says, This is how we know that God lives in us. How do you know that God lives in you? Because your pastor told you? It says, this is how we know that God lives in, it, in us. We know it by His Spirit whom He gave us. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 says, We have received the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So the, this, the way that we know, we're just confident. Maybe we couldn't prove this. We, we can't give you, uh, you know, perfect uh, evidence of it, but we just are confident of this. We know that God is real. We know that the gospel is true. We know that Christ is alive. We know that we have come to trust Him. The Bible says we know this through the Spirit. The great uh, Protestant reformer, John Calvin, he wrote this. He says, God's Word will not find acceptance in people's hearts until it is sealed by the inward testimony of the spirit now you might be thinking this all sounds very subjective it sounds very personal very mysterious it it is and you might be asking well what is it what does it feel like what, what what does it feel like for the spirit to bear testimony with my spirit and tell me that i'm a child of god you, you know what the bible never tells us exactly what it feels like isn't that something and, and, and I think the reason the Bible never tells us exactly what this is supposed to feel like is because it, listen, because I, I think that different people will experience this inner witness of the Spirit in different ways. We're not all the same, are we? The Spirit relates to us as individuals. It, 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 this is very personal. So I, I would take from that that you should, you should probably not beat yourself up if your experience of the Holy Spirit is not exactly the same as the way someone else describes their experience of the Spirit, right? He, he relates to us personally, He relates to us individually. But in doing this, deep inside, He just assures us. Not that we might never doubt it, not that it's always as strong as at other other moments, but He just gives us this assurance. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. Not because of what you feel, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ did in your behalf. Believer, you're a child of God. And it's easy to see how how having had the Spirit do this for us gives us confidence when we pray, right? Because when we pray, we know we're speaking to our Father, and we know that our Father will listen to us. My, my Father lives in Indianapolis, Indiana, and my dad is a big fan of PGA golf. My father loves to watch golf on television. My uh, my parents' cable service is bundled together with their telephone service so whenever uh, they're watching TV and somebody calls their, they still have a landline, you know how it is, right? Whenever anyone calls their phone uh, the, the uh, caller ID, the name and phone number of whoever's calling will appear on their television screen now let's imagine that uh, my father is watching the final day of a major tournament it's the u.s open it's the masters it's the 18th hole some golfer rory mcelroy he's six feet out from the pin if he sinks this putt he wins if he misses this putt Someone else wins. I mean, every, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of people standing around the hole. Every one of them is holding their breath. No one's making a sound. The announcers have stopped speaking. Everyone is on the edge of their chair watching what will happen. McElroy lines up to hit the putt. Just then, the phone rings and my name shows up on the TV. You know what my dad will do? He'll answer the phone. I probably won't turn off the TV, say, hold on, I watched this pot. But if I call, my father will answer the phone. I know he will. He would never let a call from me go to voicemail, ever. And it's not because he's a perfect father. You know, he's, he's, I have a great dad, but he's not perfect. It's not because I'm a perfect son. Believe me, I'm far from that. I'll tell you why he would answer my call, because he's my dad, and I'm his child, And what the Spirit says to you, Christian, is He wants you to know that because of Christ, you are God's beloved child. God in heaven is your Abba. And when you pray to Him, He will always listen. He will always respond. He will never ignore you, ever, not for a second. That's what the Spirit wants you to know, believer in Christ. You find this other places in the New Testament. Galatians 4, 6 says, because we are God's children, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts to cry out, Abba, Father. It's not just you crying out, Abba, Father. If you forget to do that, the Spirit within you is crying out, Abba, Abba, Abba. Well, doesn't that just make you feel confident when you pray? That you're, you are speaking to one who loves you. Listen, Christian, loves you so much. He knows you. He cares for you. His heart for you is one of tenderness. And he will always listen. So how does the Spirit help us with this difficult task of praying? First, he gives us confidence. Just reminds remind you, you're speaking to your Abba right now. He gives us confidence. Secondly, he helps us to persevere in prayer. And one of the things that you should know about prayer is that f- to pray effectively, you have to persevere. Jesus taught this to to you to pray. You, listen, sometimes there are certain things that God will call you to pray for and to do that effectively, you just have to lock in and just keep praying and praying and praying maybe for years and not give up. And wow, that's hard to do especially when you're going through a really difficult time of discouragement or suffering, that's hard to do. And I don't know if you noticed that this passage, this passage says a lot about suffering, doesn't it? It has a lot to say about going through, through difficult times. Um, in fact, verse, verse 18 defines life in this world as... The sufferings of this present time, isn't that what interesting way to define life? The sufferings of this present time, we suffer. Now you'll see here we suffer for a number of reasons. First, we suffer because we live in a fallen world. Because of, because of human sin and rebellion against God, the world that we live in right now is under the curse of God's wrath. So because of this, in this world, there's hunger and there's poverty and there's sickness and there's death and there's war and there's conflict and there are natural disasters. That's just that's the world we live in. Verse 20 says the world was cr- uh, subjected to futility. You could translate that frailty or frustration or lack of purpose. Verse 21 says, the creation is in bondage to corruption. Verse 22 says, the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of, toge- in the pains of childbirth until now. So we, we suffer because we live in a fallen world. And how many of you know that we're not exempt from that kind of suffering just because we're Christians, Right? we we live in that world so we suffer because we live in a fallen world but for followers of Christ there's more we suffer because we belong to Jesus verse verse 17 says we suffer with him another translation renders that we share in Christ's sufferings we don't like to think about this but God, listen part of our calling as followers of Jesus is to face um, sometimes rejection, to face sometimes temptation, to face sometimes spiritual warfare, sometimes to face persecution as a direct result of our connection to Jesus. We we suffer because we live in a fallen world. We also suffer just because we're following, uh, we're following the suffering Savior, right? So We suffer in a lot of ways, and when you are really going through a hard time, it's easy to just want to give up. You ever felt like that? You just want to I just want to give up. Can't go on. I want to stop. If you ever want to feel like you I just want to stop trusting. I want to stop trying. I want to I want to stop praying. You ever feel like that? Just I I don't think I can pray anymore. I've been praying and praying. It doesn't seem like God is answering. Here's where the Holy Spirit is so helpful. Here's where He helps us to persevere. How does He do it? Well, verse 23 says that in... This is applying to any follower of Jesus. It says, We have... Notice this phrase. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. What are the first fruits of the Spirit? Well, um the first fruit was this: when a farmer would go out to his field and inspect the crop and he would see the very first little grains of wheat forming on the stalks. Or the farmer would go to the vineyard and see the very first little grapes starting to form on the vines. The farmer would see these first fruits and the farmer would say, oh baby, this is going to be a good year. This is going to be great. There is a harvest. Look, it's just starting, but there's a harvest coming. In other words, the first fruit was this this indication that great, great things are on the way. And this passage says that the Holy Spirit functions like that for us. His presence in our lives is the the first fruit. It's the indication that a harvest is coming, that, that the kingdom of God is on its way. Ephesians 1 verse 14 says, The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. One Christian author wrote this, The first fruits of the Spirit are a foretaste, a foretaste of the glory that awaits us in heaven when our corrupted and mortal bodies are exchanged for ones that are incorruptible and immortal. A foretaste. When I, was, uh, when I was a kid, I wonder if th- this ever happened in, y- in your home. When I was a kid, sometimes I would come in from playing uh, and I would be really hungry and my mom would be cooking in the kitchen and it would smell so good and I would know that dinner is not like for another hour and I'm thinking, how am I going to make it? I'm so hungry, it's an hour away. And did your dear mom ever do this? Sometimes my mom would see me and she'd go over to the stove and take a spoon and just kind of dip it into the pot and come over to me and say, here. Let me give you a taste. How many of your mom did that with you? Let me just give you a taste. You you can make it. Hang in there. It's going to be worth it. This This is what is to come. Listen, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives does that. His presence is a foretaste of what is awaiting us. And listen, believer in Christ, what is awaiting us is we can't even begin to imagine. We can't even begin to imagine how good it is. Verse 18 the apostle says this, I consider that the present suffering, the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing. With the glory that is to be revealed to us. And and so the Spirit, His just His involvement in our lives at different times, just when we need it, when we're ready to throw in the towel and give up. He just comes and in a very personal way. He just reminds you. He just reminds you of all that God has in store for you. And he basically, by doing this, says: don't quit. Keep trusting. Keep waiting. Keep believing. And he says, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Don't quit. Cry out to your father. He's not done yet. Keep crying out to him. He helps us to persevere. And I'm sure you would agree with me. That's so important, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 to 37 says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a very little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. So how does the Spirit help us pray? He gives us confidence. You're God's child. He gives us perseverance. There's something good coming. Don't quit. And and thirdly, He gives us effectiveness. He is the one who makes our prayers effective. Let me read for you verse 26 and 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He doesn't make fun of us in our weakness. When we have a hard time praying, He's not up there scolding you, berating you. He helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes us. For the saints, saints means the people of God, according to the will of God. Now, verse twenty-six just tells us right out. I mean, just straight about this. We don't know what to pray for. That's what it says. We we uh, we do not have God's infinite wisdom, right? We we do not possess omniscient foresight into the future. We. We don't know what to pray for. Now, we think we do. We think we think we know what would be good. We think we think we know what God ought to be doing in our family or in our life or in our situation. But we just, we don't really know what would be the best. So we just can't be sure. So how do you pray if you don't know what to ask for? Well, the good news, the Holy Spirit within you intercedes for you. With what Paul calls groanings that are too deep for words, or one one translation renders this wordless groans. He he, um, the Holy Spirit, in some sense that we can't really put our finger on, inside you, He joins His prayers with your prayers. Just takes your faulty, finite prayers, and he mingles his prayers with them. And somehow in doing this, he aligns your prayers so that they're perfectly in sync with the will of God. In, uh, in recording studios, they have this apparatus called an auto-tuner. And I don't know how it works, but auto-tuners, somehow, if the singer's voice is a little bit off-key, just a little off-pitch, the auto-tuner will adjust it. Because even professional singers, they, they don't have perfect pitch usually. They're maybe a little flat, and so the auto-tuner will just, just somehow change the, the pitch of the singer's voice. So that's, it's a perfect F-flat, perfect C-sharp. You you buy a ticket and go to the concert, you're disappointed. The guy sounded a lot better on his albums, and now you know why. Because in the studio, the auto-turner just made every note perfect. I kind of get the sense that's what the Holy Spirit does for us when we pray. He he auto-tunes our prayers, right? He he just just adjusts them a little, lines them up. Perfectly with the will of God, so that as we're praying to God, we're we're our prayers because of the Holy Spirit, they're right in God's sweet spot. They're right in the heart of God. We're we're asking for what um, God is already up there in heaven, ready to give to us. And this is why I think often, often our God answers our prayers in ways that are different than what we were requesting. Did that ever happen to you? You ask God for something and not like He ignored you, but he gave, he gave you something else. Why did God do that with you? Not because He was mad at you, all right? And, and not because you didn't pray with a, enough faith. Sometimes God will answer our prayers in ways that are different than what we were requesting uh, because um, He knew that what we were asking for was not for our best. And the Holy Spirit, through this kind of deep, inner, inaudible prayers, he was interceding for you, with, you know, according to the will of God. So um, He was just lining up your prayers with God's will for you. So even if we're maybe disappointed with what God brings our way, or maybe you're surprised with what God does in your life, maybe you're even saddened sometimes with the way God decides to work, um, the verse that immediately follows this passage says this. It says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So God may not give you exactly what you ask for in prayer, but if he doesn't, he will give you something better. may not look better, but someday you'll find out, yeah, that was better. You look at this passage and you see a lot of groaning here. Verse 22 says that all of creation is groaning. Verse 23 says that we ourselves are groaning. Who's going to help us with all this groaning? Well, the Holy Spirit is. Verse 26 says that He comes along and He begins to groan. He adds His groans to our groans. And in so doing, He makes our prayers effective before the throne of God. Tim Keller in his book on prayer wrote this. He said, when we pray... God will either give us what we ask for or He will give us what we should have asked for and would have asked for if we knew everything that He knows. He who who searches hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Back in the... uh, in the Civil War in this nation, which was brutal, over, over 600,000 soldiers died in the Civil War. And uh, in the Civil War, on the, body, on the body of one of the men who died on the battlefield, they found a piece of paper that this man had written some words on. And this is what that unknown soldier wrote on his paper. He wrote, I asked God for strength that I might achieve, I was made weak that I might Learn humbly to obey. I asked for health, that I might do great things. I was given infirmity, that I might do better things. I asked for riches, that I might be happy. I was given poverty, that I might be wise. I asked for power, that I might have the praise of others. I was given weakness, that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things, that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. And then he wrote this, I got nothing that I asked for, but everything that I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Now, I, I don't know how to prove this, but I, I believe that those words will express the realization that every Christian man and woman will someday have when we stand on the the brink of eternity before the throne of God and we look back on our life, all the ups, all the downs, all the disappointments, all the joys, all the mystery, we'll just say, I am most richly blessed. I didn't get everything I asked for, but I got everything my heart hoped for. Why will that be? Because as we were praying, the Spirit himself was praying within us lining up our prayers to be right where God wanted them to be so that he could work for our good. The Roman Catholic um, priest Henry Nouwen said this, he said, prayer is not what is done by us, rather it is what is done by the Holy Spirit in us, the Spirit Helps us to pray. How? He just gives us this confidence. You're God's child. Be bold. Ask for what you need. He loves you. He gives us that perseverance. There's a little taste of what's coming. Don't give up. Keep keep praying. Keep at it. And and he and he's the one who makes our prayers effective. We don't have to worry that, that God will not work in response to our prayers. He will. May not be exactly what we anticipated, but he will work for our good because the Spirit is praying within us. And if, just to close, if you think about what's said in this passage, if you think about this, you will realize how important prayer is for the accomplishment of God's work in this world. I mean, think about it. You read the Bible. God never, ever promised that His Holy Spirit will come and help us to succeed in business. Or that the Holy Spirit will come and help you pass your exams in school. Or the Holy Spirit will help your team win your next softball game. No, he never promises that. It's like, God, ah, softball, who cares, right? But God does promise this. The Holy Spirit will help us when we pray. He will. So imagine how important prayer must be. Well, let's pray right now. Would you join me? Father, I thank you that when uh, your children pray, we never, ever pray alone. Your Holy Spirit is always right there with us. And we invite and welcome the work that you have told us he, he will do. We ask that he would just make known to us deep inside that you are our Father and you love us. Remind us that we are accepted because of Christ. That, that he will help us. If any of you here feel like giving up, just give us a, a sense that we should keep going. You've got good things planned for us. And that he will empower us to pray, interceding for us in ways that are in line with your will. Thank you that he does that. In Christ's name, amen.